Hello and welcome to Hypothetical History, the number one history podcast that you're listening to right now. My name is Patrick and I am joined by my two co-hosts, Phil. Hello. And PK. Hello. <laughs> oh, you are excited to be here. I am. I'm really excited to be here today. Wow, he's busting out <laughs> accents all over the place. No, we just recorded the sports one, so I'm just ready to dive right in for another one. I can talk forever, boys. All right. Well, all you listeners, I hope you're all doing well. And if you're a regular, thank you for coming back. If it's your first time listening, welcome to the Hypothetical Family. And I'm going to explain how the show works. This week, Phil and PK researched a topic from history and are going to explain it to you and me. And there's going to be some questions throughout the episode. Afterwards, we take those facts and discuss some hypothetical scenarios had things gone differently and how that might have impacted the world we live in today. Before we dive into this, how are you guys doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. When me and Phil just recorded the uh, sports one. Uh, Buffalo Sports Collective for all you fans out there. Plugging our own show on our own show. But yeah, uh, been busy with that. I was going to give a woo 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 woo. <laughs> you still can. You still can and you just did. <laughs> Uh, um, I got some house gardening stuff done, and by that I mean I, I picked some stuff up and moved some stuff over, and it looks way better, so that was exciting. Did you get mulch yet? I had mulch still from last year, and then the mulch I had last year that was one-year mulch is still holding up pretty well, actually. It's not too faded, so I think I might just let it ride, maybe mix in like one bag of fresh stuff, but... I like it. I like it. What's your guy's go-to color mulch? Black. Yeah, black. Yeah. The red seems to fade too quickly, and then I've never done the brown one, so I've just, since I moved in here, it's just been straight black mulch. But the issue is that because my back is bad and I lean, the every year I always lean with my glove and touch the the final siding and then there's handprints all on it and then i have to take the magic eraser and go along my house and erase all the handprints you're like the oldest young person i know thanks i'll take that I as got, a compliment uh, i got the back little patio spot set up where the motorhome used to be years ago that used to kind of overhang and park and now i've turned it into like a little little patio spot I got some lights this year that i added Ooh. so that that's pretty exciting you got your full privacy fence this year, too. You only I know. I can swim party. in my uh, kiddie pool without anyone else seeing me. There you go. Did, you, did your neighbor add that in? Yeah. I didn't have to pay for it. Nice. <laughs> I didn't have just to pay need for my, it uh, I just need my other next door neighbor to add a wood fence on that side, and I'll be all set. Yeah, just don't call me to remove the fence again because that went over so well the first time. <laughs> oh, I'm calling you. <laughs> you don't have any more trees to cut around power lines this time, though. Hearing about that after the fact did not did not sound like a fun weekend. <laughs> yeah, almost died power lines. Phil dropped a tree on my head. Well, almost. He almost cut off his face with the, the buzzsaw. And it was fun. It was fun. Memories. And PK was very stubborn trying to get... Uh one concrete pull out but eventually <laughs> gave up and i just cut it instead even after like half an hour of smashing oh, into the concrete i dug down like a foot a foot and a half and even your neighbor comes out he goes you know you can just buzz that i went no i'm doing it my way <laughs> that's one of the things i uh look forward to when i get a house and i'm assuming you're gonna help me with renovations and stuff yeah is that you you have 
Oh, I guess you're you're very stubborn. So if you're like set to a task or a project, it's getting done. Like it's it's gonna get done. That's one thing that Brooke absolutely hates about me is when I start a project, I need to finish it that day, and she hates it. Like I could be like nine o'clock at night and I've started at three thirty and I haven't sat down yet. She goes, "You could finish it tomorrow." No, it's getting done today because I'm in the mindset, and when it comes to tomorrow, I'm not gonna want to do it. How'd that go with your bathroom? Yeah, uh, it's still not done yet. <laughs> See what I mean? I, I have to finish it that day. That's how it just was with the garden stuff I just did uh, the other day. It's been like a good four or five hours outside. And it was one of those things that like once I started one spot, I had to get the other spots done and that spot and that spot and that spot. But eventually it all gets done. But yeah, like once you start one thing, you're like, well, I'm not going to sit down until these other 18 things are completed because that means it's all done. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's the, the thing that I find like hardest with me is once... Once I get started with something, you know, I can keep on doing it, but it's like that first first step of getting started. On that note, do you guys want to take the first step and tell me about what I'm going to be learning about today? Yeah, our topic for today, Pat, uh, our famous questions that everybody knows and loves are about U.S. presidents and who was the president at that time. So we're going to dive into the U.S. presidents and assassination attempts on their life. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. So right off the bat here, Pat, who is the seventh president of the United States? Uh, can I have a hint? His initials are A.J. A.J. Andrew Jackson. Got it. So smart. <laughs> now, he became the seventh president of the U.S. in 1829, and he went through until 1837. He was known as an expansionist, and uh, he sought the rights of the common man and to preserve the Union. Now, originally he ran in 1824, but because no candidate actually won the electoral majority, the House of Representatives elected John Quincy Adams. Now, as you can kind of guess, this angered Jackson and is a big reason that the Democratic Party was actually founded. In 1830, Jackson signed the Indian Removal Act, which forcibly removed most of the members of the major tribes. And you can kind of remember this from our school days. It was kind of known as the Trail of Tears. And in 1835, Jackson became the only president in the United States to completely pay off the national debt. It would have been a pretty good question here to ask what our current national debt is. I don't know what it is, but it's in the trillions, I think. Yeah, it's a lot. I think it's like 13 or 14 trillion. I, I literally was like just watching, uh, I think it was one of the most recent episodes of Last Week Tonight on HBO. And I think that they, they talked about the uh, national deficit clock or counter or whatever that's in New York City. Oh, this yeah. was John Oliver, right? Yeah. I love John Oliver. If you're listening, John Oliver, uh, I want to be your friend. I'll uh, DM me and I'll give you my phone number. I'm not saying it on the podcast. Nice try. Honestly, I think he's the type of person that if he (laughs) were to hear that we gave him a shout out, that he'd like reply back or something. Oh, I'm tagging you in all these posts now. Every week, whenever we put out a new show, I'm tagging John Oliver. We're going to have to mention him in every podcast. Oh, I will. I will. That's not an issue, but I'm just saying. (laughs) Make sure you give him a shout out every single time now. Hey, John Oliver. (laughs) 
So Jackson was a strong believer in states' rights and less involvement in the federal government. He also called for term limits on presidents. I believe I read that he was the first president. Now, we're only on the seventh, so not a huge long line before him. But he was the first president that didn't come from money. So that's a big reason why he had more of this common man perspective. In the December of 1835, Jackson called on Congress to prohibit an idea which came from the North, which was to circulate any publications intended to instigate the slaves to riot. Um, Jackson himself was in favor and supported this, and he even profited off slavery, so he wasn't the best of people. Martin Van Buren was the vice president and would have taken over had Jackson died. Jackson was considered by many to be a bad president for his handling of the Panic of 1837, which was a big downturn in the economy. Yeah, so Pat, as you can kind of tell, he wasn't the best of people, let alone best of the presidents. So having an assassination attempt on his life probably isn't all that shocking. On January 30th, 1835, Andrew Jackson became the first American president to experience an assassination attempt on his life. A guy named Richard Lawrence, he was an unemployed house painter. Now, as Jackson was leaving the congressional funeral that was being held in the house chamber in the Capitol, Lawrence shot at him, but the gun misfired. This kind of goes back to all the attempts on Queen Victoria's life. Uh, The gun didn't shoot. Jackson, who was actually 67 at the time, confronted the man and attacked him with his walking cane several times. Now, Lawrence actually managed to pull out another loaded pistol, but this one also misfired. (laughs) Jeez. Now, Jackson was unharmed, but ended up being very paranoid. He became convinced that Lawrence was hired by the Whig Party to assassinate him. The Whig Party and Jackson were in a big battle over his wanting to dismantle the Bank of the U.S., which actually proved to be the start of the Panic of 1837, which we mentioned was a big downturn in the economy. Vice President Van Buren was also wary and carried two loaded pistols with him when visiting the Senate, which I'm guessing both pistols wouldn't have fired properly anyway, so what's the point of carrying a pistol (laughs) at that time? They later did a study about both of Lawrence's guns and found that the odds of both guns misfiring were 1 in 125,000. But as we've learned, like PK said about Queen Victoria, it seems like you're going to assassinate someone, the gun chance of misfiring is about one in one chance. (laughs) I'm starting to realize that the phrase, they don't make it like they used to, doesn't always apply. (laughs) All right, Pat, question number two. Who was the 26th president of the United States? (laughs) You just don't want me to get these imaginary points. They're not imaginary. They're out there. We're just waiting on one of the listeners to total all these. I've lost track. (laughs) Maybe John Oliver will do it. (laughs) Ooh. Hashtag get John Oliver on this podcast. He'll actually have an assistant do the work for it. Which um, which president was it? 26th. Mm. I'll give you the year. 1901 to 1909. Is it a Roosevelt? It could be a Roosevelt. That's close to a Teddy Roosevelt, isn't it? You got it. Theodore (gasps) Roosevelt. He was the 26th president of the United States, and as I mentioned in your clue, 1901 to 1909. 
Now, now Pat's is- uh, pure excitement of joy there proves that how, how little confidence he had in that guess. <laughs> but the joy yeah, that was, overcame it was, him. It was like zero. <laughs> but you I knew he was done. from around that time. And I feel like he uh, he was the kind of person that had people that didn't like him. Well, it basically research that I found he was actually one of the top five most liked presidents. So yeah, like you should have stopped there. I, I, I would agree. I would agree with that. But I feel like I don't know. I feel like if there was there could have been like a small group. I mean, obviously it was a small group of people if he's one of the top five most liked. But I feel like the people that didn't like him really like wouldn't him. like him. Yeah. Well, he actually took over as president at the age of forty-two which is still currently standing the youngest president ever, after the assassination of McKinley. Now, for people around Buffalo area, that is uh, kind of hits home because there's a lot of stuff named after McKinley up here. Some of the big achievements made by Roosevelt were the Sherman Antitrust Act, which made it so no business could monopolize the market, and this brought a huge division on one of the main railroad co- corporations in the area at that time. He also stepped in to solve the coal strike, and this led to the end of it and also a giant pay hike and all the workers. few other achievements, because he had quite a lot of them. In 1903, he helped Panama gain its independence and cleared a way to create the Panama Canal. In 1905, he got Congress to create the IUS Forest Service to manage government-owned land. In 1906, he persuaded Congress to pass food and safety acts to protect consumers and investigate poor conditions of food processing industries. What a guy. In 1912, Roosevelt grew tired of William Taft, who he kind of groomed to take over for him, but Taft kind of went against what Roosevelt stood for. So Roosevelt actually ran in the 1912 election. This split allowed the Democrat Woodrow Wilson to win the election, and Wilson would go on to create the Federal Reserve, Federal Trade Commission that regulated questionable business practices, and created the eight-hour workday. Couldn't have made it a seven-hour workday? Or four ten-hour workdays. I work seven-hour workdays. I'm just saying my new job doesn't force me to take a 46-minute lunch anymore, and I am thrilled about it. (laughs) What do you do, just 30 minutes? We don't have to take a lunch, which is great. Mm, don't don't tell that to Mr. New York State. They don't listen to this podcast. New York State hates us. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. You know who doesn't hate us? John Oliver. <laughs> All right. We're going to dive into the attempt on Theodore Roosevelt's life. On October 14th, 1912, around 8 p.m., Roosevelt entered his car that was outside of his hotel. As he stood up to wave at the crowd, which this was an open car which people stop having open-end cars people can try to kill you but they were cool they were they kind of still are but if you've seen convertibles yeah but if you're like a high populated person like really you definitely have a convertible no you've seen michael scott pull up it's britney (laughs) a flash from a colt revolver five was fired just five feet away i don't know how these people keep getting so close to these really important people the stenographer quickly put the assassin in a half Nelson and grabbed his right wrist so there couldn't be a second shot. The crowd quickly began to attack this man, but Roosevelt quickly yelled at the crowd to not hurt him and to bring the man to him. Roosevelt would go on to say, what did you do that for? And when no answer was given, he said, oh, what's the use? 
turn him over to the police. Now, there was actually no sign that this president was hurt, but he felt a dime-sized hole on the right side of his chest. Ooh. I like that he so can he actually feel hit him? the size of the hole, specifically. Like, oh, it's about a dime-sized hole that I'm feeling right now. Yeah, as we go on, Pat, Roosevelt is a tough guy. Like, I kind of complain easily when I get hurt. And, I uh, confirm that. This guy uh, is pretty stinking tough. So he ended up coughing three times into his hands, and after seeing no blood, felt that the bullet had missed his lungs. The accompanying doctor told the driver to get them to the hospital, but Teddy said, no, get me to the speech. An x-ray after the event showed that the bullet was lodged against his fourth rib, so it had indeed hit him and was in him. Fortunately, as uh, we see on TV and movies, but this is real life, the bullet was slowed by a heavy coat, steel-reinforced eyeglass case, and a hefty speech all in his pocket. Before he gave the speech, he held up the papers with a hole in them and said, Friends, I shall ask you to be as quiet as possible. I don't know whether you fully understand that I've just been shot. It takes more than that to kill a bull moose. So like PK said, pretty tough guy. I'm, I'm impressed. And if Pat's impressed, that's all that matters. Yeah. I got the Pat, Pat seal of approval. <laughs> it's called the Pat Pat. well if you're impressed by theodore roosevelt this next president who had an assassination attempt on his life you'll really be impressed because this one took it over the top is it also theodore roosevelt it's not this was the only assassination attempt on his life that i found there could be more but i just couldn't find them well we're here we're ready pat you probably can guess where this is going who was the 40th president of the United States. Now, just uh, a clue uh, right uh, here. I, gotta... <laughs> I could probably get this. Okay. 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 Ahead. I won't give clue. you any clues. No, no. Go. You're going to give me a clue. Okay. Uh, we are on President 46 right now. Okay. So if you want to work that. Uh... See, that wouldn't help me. <laughs> right, had... So Biden's 46. We had Trump, Obama, W. He's just counting on his fingers right now. <laughs> yeah, I am. We had Clinton. And then Bush was six. He'd be 40. Yeah, he'd be 40. Bush Sr. So what's your guess? <laughs> no, Bush Sr. Clinton, W, Obama, Trump. You got 10 yeah. seconds. <laughs> yeah, it'd be Bush Sr. You're wrong. It's Ronald Reagan. What? Yeah. Ronald Reagan was 40. Then you got George uh, Bush, mm. the father, 41. Clinton, 42. George Bush, 43. Obama, 44. Trump, 45. Now you got Biden, 46. That's what I get for counting backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I should have counted forward. <laughs> but he was the uh, president of the United States from 1981 until 1989. Now, this is how crazy popular he was. In 1980, he won 489 to 49 in the electoral college and carried 44 of the 50 states. Now, if you think that's good in 1984, he won 525 to 13 and carried 49 of the 50 states. And he also received 59% of the popular vote. Now this was the largest victory in American history. And I don't think it's ever going to be touched. I don't think so. 
I mean, I assume that is partly because he was a celebrity. I don't think there's a celebrity that's that well liked. Not universally. Could, uh... Will Smith? Mm. I do like Ryan Will Smith. Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds might be able to got do it. Got one. I got one. But he can never run for president. John Oliver. <laughs> I was going to say Chris Pratt. Oh, John Pratt, Oliver yeah. can't run for president. That's what I just <laughs> said. He can't run for president. Oh. Oh, I thought you were saying Ryan Reynolds couldn't. Ryan Reynolds is my hero. He's also Canadian. Oh, darn. You have a Canadian hero. <laughs> well, Reagan was very big into economics. He developed Reaganomics, and mm-hmm. this was kind of the economic policy that he was credited for as his presidency. Inflation rates and unemployment dropped significantly. On August 3rd, 1981, he did something that I don't think is very popular and probably got him into uh, a bit of negative steam if he can, because he's so popular. There was a strike at the professional air traffic controllers organization or Pat, you'll like this Patco. Ooh. He fired all those workers. Now this was said to hurt a lot of people that could no longer use strikes as like a bargaining chip. So it kind of hurt a bunch of unions. But he did go on to help end the Cold War with the Soviet with the Soviet Union because he took more of an aggressive approach to that whole situation. Now we're going to move on to the assassination attempt. On March 30, 1981, Reagan was shot by John Hinckley Jr. as he was returning to his limo after speaking at the Washington Hilton Hotel. So note that he was not in a convertible, but he also wasn't in the car at all yet. Oh, yeah. So you got you got to get inside the car. That's covered. <laughs> yeah. Listeners, always get into your car as soon as possible, no matter what. Hinckley was said to shoot the president in an attempt to impress the actress Jodie Foster. Hinckley arrived in D.C. on the 28th and actually planned to continue on to New Haven, but saw that Reagan was scheduled to speak, and that's when he got the idea. The Hilton is actually considered the safest venue in D.C. because of how often presidents speak there, as well as the secured and enclosed passageway called the President's Walk, which was built after the Kennedy assassination in in 1963. Reagan was not wearing a vest that day because there was only a 30-foot walk from the limo to the hotel. So once again, I mean, that's, I guess, his version of the convertible because he didn't have a vest on. Do they? Is that common? It was common back then. Okay. Well, you got to remember, this was only 17, 18 years after the assassination of JFK. Yeah. I say, I don't think I've ever, I mean, I don't know if I would notice how like small like vests and stuff could be, I guess. But I don't think I've noticed any presidents wearing them. Well, it also seems like they took more care nowadays where no people can get anywhere close. And I mean, That's true. people were... What, 30 Walking feet right away up. from him, 20 feet away? <laughs> yeah. That's but fair. Around 20 feet away, like we just mentioned, Hinckley was in the crowd of people waiting to hear him speak, or Reagan speak, or even just get a look at the president. Now, at 2.27 p.m., Hinckley would crouch down in the crowd and fire his revolver six times in 1.7 seconds. But Oof. he missed the president directly, remember that word, directly, six times. The first two shots, the first one hit James Brady, who was the president's secretary, and the second one hit Thomas 
Delante, I believe that's how you pronounce it. He was a D.C. police officer. Alfred Antonucci was a Cleveland-based laborer, and he hit Hinckley over the head and began to wrestle the gun away from him. Two special officers, after hearing the gunshots, grabbed the president by the shoulders and rushed him into the limo. The third shot went above the president and hit a window across the street. Secret Service agent Tim McCarthy turned toward the shooter, got between him and the president, and made himself wide to block the shooting angle. He was hit by the fourth bullet. The fifth bullet hit the bulletproof glass on the limo. Excellent job getting into the limo. The sixth and final shot deflected off the armored side of the limo, passed through the opening of the rear door and the car's frame, and hits Reagan in the left underarm. The round then grazed a rib and lodged in his lung. So that, that's a pretty strong round to be hitting all that stuff. Within 16 minutes of testing the gun, they found that the six bullets were called Devastators that were meant to explode on impact. Only one, the one that hit Brady, actually ended up exploding. At first, it was believed that the president was fine, but he coughed up blood, and the agents believed that he had a cracked rib that must have punctured a lung. Similar to Teddy Roosevelt, except Roosevelt's did not break his rungs, and he was fine when he coughed in his, to his hand three times. We should mention right off the bat that all three of these attempts on all three of these presidents' lives, they all failed. Nobody was killed during all these. There was people that got injured and shot, but nobody actually died as a result of the assassination attempts, which is crazy. It's pretty impressive that the Brady guy who uh, the bullet exploded and he still survived. Yeah. Did um, him shooting Reagan impress Jodie Foster? Uh, the only, the, what I did see is Jodie Foster ever, only ever talked about this, I think on two or three occasions. And from what I read about it, she was not in the least bit impressed. What a strange way to think to impress someone. Yeah. I'm going to shoot the president that was like universally <laughs> liked and accepted. That'll show him. So right before we got into Reagan, and I told you that this one was kind of proved that he was just as tough, possibly tougher than uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Well, here's some stuff that I found out. The doctors actually cut off his thousand dollar suit and this made him very, very angry. He <laughs> probably just wanted to take it off. Now, he actually walked from the limo into the hospital, smiling and waving at onlookers like nothing really happened that he was fine. But I did read that once he got into the hospital, he kind of collapsed to one knee and had to get really help to the emergency room. Now, when his uh, wife actually showed up to the hospital, he was quoted as saying, hey, honey, I forgot to duck. <laughs> Good sense of humor. Now, while actually in the operating room, here's another time where he had some uh, humor built into the bad situation. He actually joked with the doctors and said, I hope you were all Republicans. So the last fact that we kind of have, I know Phil mentioned James Brady and how he's shocked that he didn't die because of the Devastator bullets. He actually became a leading advocate for gun control, and he was huge in getting the Brady Handgun Violence Prevention Act passed, which mandated federal background checks on anybody who buys firearms in the United States. Now, the next step to that actually wasn't passed until 1993. But that's all... Uh... The assassination attempts, we wanted to dive in. There's more in history, but we wanted to just cover the three that uh, were most interesting to us. Maybe there'll be a part two someday. 
Ooh, I'd like a part two. Watcher. These, these three. Oh, <laughs> saying you're like, yes, I want a part two with uh, presidential <laughs> assassination attempts. Probably not the best thing to say. You're um, already on a list. You're going to be put yeah, that, higher on that list right. now. <laughs> I'm saying, no, I don't want more of that. That's not what you originally said. I, Mr. FBI, I would like to learn more about previous assassination attempts. So you can plan one for your own? What is going on here? <gasps> no. <laughs> You're putting words like, in my mouth. I feel like we've given pretty solid uh, points on how to avoid one, though. You know? Yeah. Yeah, just be near a gun. I mean... They don't fire. <laughs> don't allow people so close to the president. Make sure he's not in a convertible or a covered wagon like uh, Victoria. <laughs> yeah, just hire us for the CIA and the Secret Service, and no president will ever be harmed. Yeah, we've got this under control. <laughs> yeah, just get rid of all normal guns and do, like, the flintlock pistols. That's all anybody's ever allowed to have because <laughs> they <laughs> apparently don't work. <laughs> all you got to do is throw a bucket of water on them, and once the powder's wet, you're useless. <laughs> It'll be uh, flintlock pistols versus squirt guns. That's one of the jobs is you just got a Secret Service agent carrying around a bucket of water all the time. <laughs> That's Hank. His job is just to throw the bucket of water. Who who would win? Uh, someone with a flintlock pistol or people from the Contrapublic? <laughs> Contrapublic. Yeah, they got those water balloons from distance. They probably have more uh, accuracy and ability to hit. <laughs> I got seven <laughs> years until I'm a freshwater conch. <laughs> oh. All right. You guys got any other last nuggets before we take a break? We are tapped out. All right. Well, we'll be right back and then we'll get into the hypothetical scenarios. Perfectly Simple Gifts is a mother-daughter-run small business specializing in making customized items such as apparel, drinkware, and much more. Whether you need gifts for a bridal party, wedding, birthday, or just something for yourself, they're here to help. If you would like to place an order, have any questions, or just want to see what they've made, check them out on Instagram at perfectlysimplegifts underscore. If you're enjoying listening to the podcast, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at hypohistorypod and Twitter at hypo underscore history pod to keep up to date on everything related to the podcast. Feel free to let us know what you think, suggest topics, or let us know some hypothetical scenarios of your own. Now let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're going to dive into our hypothetical scenarios. Which one of you would like to kick us off? I'll start. What if Lawrence was really a hired assassin from the Whig Party? Do you think these types of actions would have become more common if it was successful? And we're talking about and we're talking about Andrew Jackson and how he thought the Whig Party had hired Lawrence to assassinate him. I don't think it would have been more common. At least I'd hope not. So this was 1835 when, as we've mentioned, I think multiple times on this or maybe just in general, um, 
things seemed like they were easier to get away with back in the day. I think back then it might have been more common. I mean, there was such, especially around that time when the Civil War was kind of approaching, that a, there the, the presidents were making a ton of enemies. I mean, especially when it came to Abraham Lincoln. I know he was assassinated, but the other party probably did not like his opinions and his his goals and what he wanted to see for that country to basically free all the slaves. So I can kind of see it up to that point where that would still be happening where the if this was actually a hired assassin that went after Andrew Jackson and it was accomplished and the other side gained control and took over, I can kind of see that at least back then. Nowadays, I don't see that happening because there's just so much technology and ways that people can find what's going on. I mean, the CIA finds these terrorist organizations and their plans just from like internet trails. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it definitely wouldn't happen now. I can see it happening back then though. I was going to try to uh, add on to what you were saying, but yeah, I pretty much agree with what you said that like maybe back in the day, if they found out they could get away with it. And like you said, if it would flip the role of power where they could then kind of take over, I could see it happening a little more frequently back then, but I don't think it would have carried over into modern day. All right, so along the lines of Jackson, if he was actually killed, what would have happened? I know some of his big accomplishments were paying off the national debt, the publication that he stopped from happening in the South, that wouldn't have happened, the dismantling of the U.S. bank that basically crippled the economy none of that would have happened what kind of do you think would have happened if jackson was assassinated now martin van buren was his vp so he would have taken over uh he was he actually took over after andrew jackson left office and he basically had to deal with the results of everything that andrew jackson kind of screwed up like getting rid of the national bank and basically crippling the economy so he was considered a terrible president van buren because of how bad the economy was, but that was kind of on Andrew Jackson. If Andrew Jackson yeah. had been killed beforehand, maybe the economy wasn't as bad and maybe Martin Van Buren would have been a better president in people's opinions. So he paid off the national debt, but he also like started like a recession? Pretty much. <laughs> it's like he did he did like one good thing and one bad thing? Yeah, that's that's what kind of seems like he did. I mean, he basically killed a ton of Indian tribes by removing them, but then he pays yeah. off the national debt. I don't, I'm not trying to compare the two, but he did one terrible thing and then one good thing and one terrible thing and one bad thing. And it, it, he was just bouncing all over the place, but he was, he seemed like a terrible, terrible person. Now he was the first one that kind of stood up for the common man though, correct? Yeah. Yeah. That's what he was known for. So you, you guys seem like, but based off kind of what you were you were saying with, with uh, some of his beliefs and ideals, he seemed more more like someone that would have been like from the Confederacy. Yeah, he was. He definitely was more of a Southern type of president. I mean, in the past, he did own slaves and profit off slaves, so he was definitely in favor of what the South had going on rather than what the North was. But he was the kind of president that also wanted to keep 
the rights and stuff in the citizens' hands rather than the government's hands. So that kind of thing kind of makes sense to me. But everything else is kind of way out there. Again, he seems so hot and cold. Like, he was kind of one of the big reasons the Democratic Party was founded. Like you just said, he wanted more states' rights, less federal government involvement. But at the same time, he was okay with slaves and removing Indians. And like he said, so he's just so not one-sided whatsoever like talking yeah. about like a two-faced president in a way like he just so like yeah for the people but at the same time screw the people <laughs> it was kind of like the people he likes i was gonna say like for the people but for the people that he wants it to be for so not really one for all yeah. but kind of the ones that he wants to prop up i wonder if uh he was assassinated if um that would have affected like the civil war happening sooner or um, like abolishing slavery. Maybe that would have been sooner or something like that. Like you get in a, pre- a president who was, you know, less in favor of slavery. That's what I was kind of looking into also and seeing if maybe Martin Van Buren was against slavery, but the more I dug into it, he didn't really have a strong opinion on it, but those papers and research and everything that I did, he, was more leaning towards the side of having slavery than not having it. So even if Jackson wasn't, or even if Jackson was killed, the next president that took over, Van Buren, was still in favor of slavery. But if you want to take it one step further, if Jackson wasn't there, maybe Van Buren doesn't stop the publication that's happening in the South. And like you mentioned, maybe the slaves kind of, like Phil said, riot and uprise, Mm -hmm. and maybe the Civil War does happen quicker. That would have that would be interesting to see, like how that would have happened had, uh, I guess you could call it propaganda, it was distrib- distributed down through the South to convince the slaves to rise up, and I don't know, maybe that would have brought on the Civil War sooner, or there would have been kind of like more, like guerrilla warfare, I guess, like in the the South or something like that. And I wonder, like, would. Someone from the North, because Lincoln wouldn't have been president at the time, obviously, but I wonder if someone from the North would have also had the same kind of propaganda idea of Emancipation Proclamation way earlier, you know, like kind of like similar, try to get that in circulation, like, well, hey, if you guys rise up and revolt, if we win, you're free. Yeah, that would have been, I could I could see something like that happening, had the that publication law or whatever wasn't passed. You could have also even, if some of the slave owners down there had actually read what was being published, maybe that would have changed their opinions also, and maybe they would have went and realized what was actually being done and basically changed their ways also, mm-hmm. and maybe that wouldn't have, I don't want to say escalated to the Civil War, because I think the Civil War would have happened regardless, because the South and the North were sticking to what they actually believed in, but it might have weakened the South and might have not had as many followers or troops or whatever you want to call it in the South because the publication was actually getting published down there and the people were actually reading it down there, especially even maybe people that were against it and just maybe didn't have the voice or were too scared to speak out about it. Maybe reading that and saying, Hey, there's other people that actually feel the same way. Maybe I can start speaking out or someone that, you know, was still for slavery and, you know, maybe they kind of see the, uh, times were changing 
and were less likely to support slavery just because they didn't want to risk their lives. Yeah. Uh, what's the next one? Had Roosevelt not run for president in 1912 and Taft won re-election, would Wilson have become president? And would the policies that Wilson implemented have been completed even with Taft still in presidency? Yeah, if you want to remind everybody that uh, Wilson created the Federal Reserve, the Federal Trade Commission that basically regulated questionable businesses practices. And then he also created the eight-hour workday. So if Taft had won re-election again, Woodrow Wilson would not have been president, and those things wouldn't have happened when they did. Which one was Roosevelt kind of grooming? Roosevelt was grooming William Taft, and he was a big reason why Taft won the election in 1909 into 1910 when he took over after uh, Roosevelt left office. I don't think I ever really remember learning much about Taft. No, he didn't do much. I think it's more like directed at what if he won re-election and Wilson didn't become president, we wouldn't have those kind of policies. So maybe take it in the direction of what would happen if we didn't have those policies that we do now. You're saying that I might have that seven-hour workday? Or a 12-hour workday. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, that would suck. Yeah, that would be, that'd be interesting that, uh, would you say, the, the Federal Trade Commission... Yep. Was in there as well? Yep. I don't know how much they do nowadays. But you got to imagine, say, Wilson never actually won and became president. Would we still have the eight-hour workday that we do today? Would it have just stayed like a 10, 12-hour workday for everybody five days a week? You're working 12 hours. Or would another president down the line say, hey, this isn't right. Make it an eight-hour workday, that kind of thing. Or at least when do you think that would have came into existence? I feel like something like that would have happened eventually. I'm curious to see what other like industrialized countries at the time, like what their um, like work schedule was like, like did they have eight hours then or were they working more standard standardly or like less? That would be a definitely an interesting thing to research. Like you mentioned, were we one of the first ones to develop the eight hour workday or were we kind of dragging behind? Yeah. So I do remember like briefly learning about that in school. It's like, oh yeah, it's like, it was this wonderful thing where people weren't forced to like work, you know, 15 hour days. And then now I think uh, comparatively to other first world countries that <laughs> we have like one of like the more difficult work lives i think i think there's other places that are are transitioning to like shorter work days or shorter work weeks and more more vacations and stuff yeah oh that's one thing i I, i've noticed is that like the u.s has horrible like vacation time um so on the the flip side i wonder if the eight hour work day wasn't created then if we would have gotten something better like down the line yeah i mean like you guys have been mentioning the u.s is kind of moving towards I think they're finally realizing that more happy workers and people that actually enjoy being at work, it's more productive and the work's better quality. Oh, yeah. So maybe if this had happened down the line even further, so say like it didn't come into effect until after World War II in the 50s and the 60s, 
that's when we started getting the eight hour workday. I think we would be even further back than we are now. We wouldn't be getting some people wouldn't be getting the sick time that they get. They wouldn't be getting the vacation time they get. They they might still be working terrible hours and terrible shifts and stuff like that. And it wouldn't progress as far as it did because it happened way back in the early 1900s. Yeah. Or maybe um, around that time, I don't know, maybe there there was like a, a big demand for more like rights and stuff for workers. So maybe there would have been like riots or more protests if, if they were having any then where it would kind of have forced the government to step in and put in a policy like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good point. I'm gonna have to let's just say I have to dust off my history books, but I don't have any history books. <laughs> I was gonna say I might have some college history books down in my basement, but I remembered that after my first year of college, I realized I didn't use those books at all, so I stopped buying them. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it was my one of my history class. It might have been a math class or something. Or a science class where I got it and it was uh, like loose leaf paper with holes in it. <laughs> so we're not the people to come to for uh, old <laughs> school books. No. That that I I don't remember what subject it was, but that like didn't even last like the semester <laughs> before like pages were falling out of my binder. That was like <laughs> That was when I think I realized that uh College wasn't always cracked up. That's what it isn't always what it's cracked up to be. That's it. That's there the we saying. go. You got to it. There was like a, a PK verse right there. You you struggle to get there, but the end result is you got there. I don't always learn good. There we go. But we'll dive into the next hypothetical. We'll go on to Ronald Reagan. Now we told you that he took the side of the actual company in the strike, the Patco, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens if he actually took the side of the workers? Do you think that the industries would have been different today, like more unions, more abilities to use that bargaining chip to strike? Do you think the United States would be better off or worse off than it is right now? Um, I'm going to say it would probably be better off if they sided with the workers. We can agree on that. Um, cause like we said earlier, a happy worker makes for a good worker. If I don't know about more strikes, I feel like I don't really hear about strikes. I know around here, just because of the job I do, the GM plant in Lockport, if, there was a big strike a couple of years ago. I heard about that. It's just tough because if you're like, I'm in a union, I can't strike and our union is actually really good and I'm happy I'm in a union. I know there's a bunch of people that don't like unions or not in a union and wish they were and stuff like that. But having the ability to strike against a company, I feel, because I've never been in that position where I've needed mm-hmm. to or any of that kind of stuff. I feel like having that bargaining chip against this big company is something that's useful. I mean, speaking yeah. in the sports industry, because we're also a sports podcast, Buffalo Sports Collective, hit us up. But there's strikes all the time because that's pretty much the only player's bargaining chip. I feel like that's the same way with the workers. Your only bargaining chip is take away what is valuable to the company. And that's your ability to work for them. Not to get off topic. Was there, was it a strike in the NHL? That was like semi-recent. I remember, I remember that because like the season like couldn't start or finish or something. Right. 
Yeah, uh, I know the one was a full season back in 03, 04, I believe it was. It was oh, a full year. Uh, the NFL had the the referee strike for a while where we had the replacement refs. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, striking in sports indus- industry is kind of popular. and Baseball seems common. like it's uh, potentially gearing up for a strike even next year. Ooh. Yeah. But to kind of steer it back to like the Ronald Reagan, what do you think would have happened in today's age if he had taken the side of the actual workers? Um, I think that they'd probably probably be more worker protections, maybe more unions. Um, I'm not I'm not in a union or <laughs> even really know what it's like to be in one. I have like zero experience with that, so I don't even know like how many there are. But yeah, I think that yeah, there there could be either more unions or more rights or better working conditions maybe for workers in general. Um like I was kind of saying earlier, I think that the US is kind of behind like other first world countries when it comes to like taking care of workers. So maybe we'd be a little bit more further ahead with something like that. Yeah, I can, I completely agree that if he would have taken the side of the workers, it would have been a big step forward, especially because of how popular Reagan was. More people would have followed suit and went, oh, yeah. see, he's taking the side of the workers. He sees their sides. He's going against the big corporations. So like you said, maybe it trickles down and there's better kind of treatment towards the actual workers. Not that there's a ton of places that treat their workers badly, but I mean, there is always room for improvement. Like Maybe the businesses would have kind of proactively given more benefits to the workers like because he supported the strike. So maybe they would fear other employees and stuff going on strike because, well, if the president's going to back us, then we can just kind of go on strike and he'll support us. So maybe other businesses would have kind of raised workers' rights and just benefits just in fear of the president backing their strike if they went on one. So for our last hypothetical... Had the attempt on Reagan not have happened, do you think the background check that James Brady helped get passed, would it still be where it is today? So the background check that he got passed was the Brady Handgun Violence Prevention Act, which mandated federal background checks on firearm purchases in the U.S. And it was not passed until 1993, but had the attempt on Reagan not have happened and he not become such a leading advocate for gun control, do we think the background checks would still be where they are today, or would it be a little behind or no background checks at all? I think that they would be not where they are today. I think we'd be farther behind. Considering how hard it is for any change to that to happen today, that the fact that it it took something like an assassination attempt uh, on a, a president's life to like have someone that's kind of was directly involved in that to be able to create any sort of change. And even that was 12 years later. So kind of like you're saying, like had it not happened until more recently or not at all, um, it may have taken another 12, 20, 30 years to get that passed. If, if ever. Yeah. I don't, I don't think anything would have changed unless, that there were more assassination attempts after that. 
Yeah, I know it's kind of a hot button topic, especially in today's age about gun control and gun safety and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we're not kind of taking a side either way. We'll kind of keep our personal opinions to ourselves to not isolate people that are out there. So don't worry about not liking us or loving us or whatever. But yeah, I think you guys have both said it spot on that I think we would be further away than we are today. That I mean, there I can see there being background checks and kind of wanting that in place, especially just for protecting people. But I don't. It, it might have been further down the road. I don't think it would have happened in '93 that it did. I think it would have been maybe even like 9/11. It could have happened around then when everybody was worried about terrorists and uh, bombings and stuff like that. It might have happened more closer to 2001 than it did in 19, 1993. Yeah. Was there was there a reason for it taking so long, or was it that just kind of? Like how politics works. That I just think that's just how time. politics works. Everything just takes slower amount of time. It was just a bill up on Capitol Hill. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of strange because even after Reagan left office, it was still the same party in the first George Bush that took over. So, I mean, it's the same yeah. party that's in control. It's a good reason. It's a good question why it took so long to get passed. And he was... Uh... Reagan's VP, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So I think that that kind of helped too. Yeah. Yeah. That he would Bush he would have been uh, that Bush Senior would have been close to that incident. I don't think that would have been passed in '93 at all. And like you said, may maybe like 2001 or something after that. Yeah, especially especially just because it was James Brady who was actually hit and suffered probably the worst outcome of everybody that got hit and suffered the most from it. And he was the leading pusher to get this thing passed. So if this yeah. didn't happen, he wouldn't have been there leading the charge, trying to get it passed. Yeah. And even like today, like each state's laws are a little different. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't think that they'd be where they, they are at now. I think it'd be a lot looser. Yeah, I agree. So. Do you guys got any other, hypotheticals no hypothetically uh pat is uh in the assassination game though <laughs> don't say that <laughs> <laughs> you can cut it if you want uh, i won't that's more work there we go um what would you guys say your favorite or the fact you found most interesting was of doing research i could start off um that Richard Lawrence, who went after Andrew Jackson, had two guns and they both misfired, <laughs> which is one in a hundred and twenty-five thousand chance that that happens. That both guns misfire. It's pretty par for the course for everything our, we go uh, over. Topics. <laughs> <laughs> if a gun actually fires, we're shocked. Yeah. <laughs> Phil, what do you got? I'm gonna say that Roosevelt and Reagan are both pretty uh, tough guys. <laughs> they both got shot in some form and still carried on with either what they were in the middle of doing. One was a speech. One was just walking in all the way to the hospital and kind of waving and acting as if nothing had happened and then having light humor about being shot in the hospital with his wife. It's just crazy that you can yeah. be shot, not like 
be kind of like shook by it and then still maintain enough composure to carry on with your day. Even though Reagan, like PK said, kind of like collapsed in the hospital, he still stayed strong enough, long enough to like look like it didn't bother him that he just was shot. And then Roosevelt went through an entire speech after being shot. Like it was nothing. If I, I'm not saying I want to, but if I were to get shot, I, I'd hope that I'm able to like make a joke about it. Like as I'm at the hospital, that's the dream. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'd uh, say what I found most interesting was the fact that, like you said, that Roosevelt was able to go on and give a speech after getting shot. <laughs> And it was interesting that, like, his, uh, <laughs> you see in so many movies that, like, the bullet stopped by something and that his actually was, like, hit by a heavy coat, steel reinforced eyeglass case, and his thick speech all in his pocket. That, like, it happened to hit that spot. Yeah. Oh, man. I can't even give a speech now. I'm awful at public speaking. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of public speaking now. Just Yeah, but it's computers, just, a, but... yeah, it's just the three of us. I'm just talking and... to a wavelength. i know i took a public speaking course in college and i mean growing up i was kind of always more quiet than i am now and i kind of after high school kind of stretched my wings and became the crazy annoying (laughs) yeah all those kind of lovable things that you guys say about me uh that i am today but yeah i don't really have any worries about talking in public anymore because i learned that uh I really don't care what people think about me. So uh, throw all your mean, nasty comments at me because anything uh, that you say uh, has already been told to me by my friends and family. Hear that, John Oliver? (laughs) Come at me, John Oliver. I'll debate you on anything. I just want to talk to you. I love you. (laughs) I would pay a sum of money. I was going to say good money, but I don't I don't have good money. So I'd I'd pay a sum of money to watch you debate John Oliver. Would you pay this money to me cuz I'll fight to make this happen. I'll travel to John Oliver. No, I'd give it to stuff. John Oliver because oh, Never mind. He doesn't need it. Maybe John Oliver will know sponsor that. an episode of you debating him. That Deal. that HBO money can't last forever. Guys, make this happen. Tag John Oliver in every episode of Here on the Fourth. Our goal of this podcast starting today is to get John Oliver to respond to us. That's Let's it. make it happen. That's people. our only goal. Let's make it happen. We got this. I, I noticed that was not respond positively to yeah, us. No, just respond. Just, just respond. respond to us. Anything we can say that we can use in our bio that says John Oliver responded to us. Even if it's plus bonus, positive, minus, doesn't matter. He responded. <laughs> This will go great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You guys got anything else or are we good to wrap up? Wrap it up. I'm ready to go. Put a bow on it. Ooh. We can open it later. John Oliver can open it later. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> All right. Thanks again for listening to Hypothetical History. Uh, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at HypoHistoryPod and Twitter at hypo underscore history pod if you're enjoying the show please leave a review on apple Podcasts or share it with your friends and you can actually do both review and share and we appreciate all your support and we'll see you guys next week for another episode of hypothetical history Bye bye